On today's episode of Brooklyn Banter, Matt and I discussed the last three Nets games, specifically the last two against Detroit and how the Nets didn't break the longest losing streak of all time, thank God. Uh, then we do our first ever Q&A with the fans for everyone emailing into brooklynbanterpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Uh, that was so much fun. And if you want to hear that, just skip to the last uh, 20 minutes or so of the episode. Uh for everyone who's been listening, we appreciate it so much. Uh, we've been gaining traction throughout the NBA Twitter community as well. So follow us on that. And uh, now, let the banter begin. Welcome back to Brooklyn Banter. Today is Tuesday, December 26th, and Matt and I are recording right after the Nets-Pistons game. Uh, the Nets beat the Pistons 118-112 to 112 to continue the longest losing streak in the history of the NBA. Uh, the Nets were coming off a five-game losing streak and have now won two straight against the Pistons. So uh, as a Nets fan, it's always great to run into a team like this, uh, maybe one of the worst teams of all time, uh, when you're not, you know, playing your best basketball. But Matt, uh, how are you feeling as a Nets fan right now, coming off those last two wins? Yeah, it's uh, it's <clears throat> it's great to be one uh, to be on the right side of history here, and to to not be the team that's breaking records with losing streaks. Um, I remember when when we lost 18 in a row to start um, the 2010 season. So it's it's just great to be on this side, and you know, I feel for the Pistons fans and and the team. They were chanting "sell the team" there at the end. But, uh, you know, better better, better them than us, and uh, we move on. It seems like everybody's starting, you know, get a rhythm. Um, and, you know, you had Cam Johnson go 9 for 13 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dayron Sharp had his best game uh, in the NBA. Uh, he, he, he was really the reason that we uh, – any anytime the Pistons try to make a run there in the fourth quarter, we were able to uh, withhold them with, it, you know, with a strong rebounding. So, I mean, it was, it was a great all-around game. Everybody kind of put, put, put in their uh, minutes there. Um, and you know we have the Bucks tomorrow, so I know a lot of people might be might be looking at that those twenty two minutes for Cam Thomas, but uh, it was probably a smart decision for Jack Vaughn and while Cam had four fouls to uh, kind of keep him on the bench as the uh, the guys on the floor were rolling. So, um, what, 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 what were your takeaways here from uh, tonight's game? Uh, just from my perspective, tonight's game was too close for comfort. I mean, we played them on uh, Saturday, I think, and we won by 11 points. And the fourth quarter of this game was just absolutely wild. It was Cade Cunningham was a monster. That might have been his best game in his uh, short NBA career. I think he had, uh, you know, over 40 points. I think he had 41 and, you know, maybe five assists, like around 10 rebounds. He dominated us and he was making plays down the stretch. Uh, I definitely agree with you that this was one of Dayron Sharp's best games. And the more and more we all watch Dayron Sharp, the more and more we all fall in love with the guy. I mean, he just plays hard. He rebounds the basketball. And their second chance opportunities are just so important in the NBA these days. And the main thing that, you know, for me that people aren't really talking about is what separates Sharp from Claxton is that he could hit free throws and he looks good doing it. Uh, I, I know he was four for five going into his, I think he shot two or three more uh, on the night. I'm, I'm not looking at the box score, but he could hit free throws. And if he could do that, he's going to play crunch time minutes. And I believe Jacques Vaughn had him in from the nine minute mark to the 230 minute mark in the fourth quarter. And, yep. you know, that's just, I, I know Claxton finished the game, but trust me, that's making a statement in its own way when 
you know, Sharp's playing the bulk of the minutes in the fourth quarter and Claxton is not. Claxton had a good game and he had some great plays, but the more and more we watch both of them, uh, I think I'm saying more and more a lot, but the more we watch both of them, the more we realize that Claxton is relatively expendable. And I know that's a, a topic of conversation um, of uh, you know in the Nets community. And I'm not sure what we really think about that at the moment, but Sharp's role on this team is just increasing every single game. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, Claxton's minutes in the in the fourth quarter, with 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 how Dayron Sharp was playing tonight, um, and and the energy that he provides for the for this Nets team, uh, it's e- it's easy for Jack Vaughn to kind of look at it and say, you know, we have you know a big guy coming in tomorrow. We have Brook Lopez and Giannis, and we can just kind of sit this sit Claxton down tonight, and we'll 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 play him tomorrow. So. It's uh, it, it's it's great to to know that you know coming into the season, a big question mark was you know the five position and 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 how weak we were there. Um, uh, but you know with Dayron De- Sharps, I mean we've talked about this before and how important he is now to this to this energy, uh, that comes off the bench with Dennis Smith Jr. and Royce O'Neal, who both those guys, after uh, you know they they came in at the end of the first quarter and and in the second quarter provided that lift that we needed. We cut the cut the lead from 12 to six uh, at the end of the first. And then we kind of just, you know, bulldozed them from there. I think we went on like a 34 to 18 run to end the half. And uh, we, I wouldn't say we didn't look back, but it was, uh, it was the, the Pistons were never, um, you know, strong enough to, to pull away from us after that. I will say after watching the Pistons the last couple nights, I'm absolutely amazed that they've lost this many games in a row. In the current NBA with the three-point volatility, and I know a lot of people have talked about this, but like it's actually remarkable. And they have some good players. I mean, I know Bogdanovich was out for you know most of like the streak that they're going on, but he's a really good player. And you know, any team could use a guy like him, right? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, so. I, you you're not you're not wrong. You look at the players they have, but I mean, they do make some really really dumb mistakes. Um, and like the Nets weren't even really trying to turn them over today and they gave up 13, right? So like, it was just, they just make some really boneheaded mistakes. I'm actually surprised that like guys like Killian Hayes and, and Joe Harris and Marvin Bagley are like not getting minutes on this team. It's, I I would think that Monty would have gone to, um, some, you know, really, veteran presence like in these games with Joe Harris and I'm I, and Bagley I guess you I don't know if you want to consider him a veteran but like he's been around the NBA where they kind of know what to do and they've been put in these different situations along their career but it's just really really interesting um to see to see Detroit lose this long because I think Cade said after I mean, they lost to the Jazz like we're not a two and 26 team and right right I mean it's, weird. it's just it's hard for him probably to figure out like who fits with who when you know they don't have that much talent but you know you made the point earlier that you were okay with cam thomas sitting you know that whole entire fourth quarters i mean he played 23 minutes he was shooting over 50 percent from the field seven of 13 and he was just playing within the flow of the offense he wasn't being a ball hog and as we know cam thomas can you know just not really be passive i mean he could yeah, he cannot be passive and he could be a ball hog and not get other players involved. But he was tonight. And to see Dinwiddie, who was 
211 from the field, you know, get the bulk of the minutes in the fourth quarter. I know they don't really do the same thing, and it's easier to trust Dinwiddie to facilitate. You know, he had six assists on the night, and that was his role, like, with that squad, and, you know, they were going to Bridges, but I just think that Thomas is too talented to keep playing games. I mean, I know... I, I know the four fouls was a factor, and I think the offense was playing well. And if the offense is playing well, you don't really need to add Cam Thomas in because you don't want to fix something that's not broken. But it's just the Nets are at a point right now where, you know, we're it's important to win games, but, you know, we're not like every single night's not the you know end of the world if you win or lose. So we should be developing our young guys. And I'm not saying that we should be playing like, you know, Jalen Wilson, but we should be playing our best young guys in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Pistons, regardless of the situation. And that's just my two cents on it. You know, I'm not going to kill JV, but he should have been in the game. Yeah, I think we're going to um, I think we're going to see a lineup change. Uh, And uh, Tim Capstraw kind of pointed at this, how uh, how free Cam Thomas plays when uh, he has the role that he understands and that's scoring the basketball and he's not looking to maybe get other people involved. And I think we're going to see a lineup change where Dorian Finney-Smith comes in and Cam Thomas kind of rolls with the second guys. Um, And that's no knock on Cam. And I think I've said this in a couple past episodes as well that he plays better with with the Royce O'Neals and the and and the uh you know Dennis uh, Daron Sharps yeah. and those guys Dennis Smith Jr's cuz you have when 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 like Dinwiddie's a, a combo guard but he's more of a scoring guard right so then you don't have that actual point guard on 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 the court and I could be wrong maybe Dennis Smith Jr steps in for Dinwiddie and I think you've mentioned that before but I think <clears throat> I think we're going to see a lineup change and I think it was uh I think it, I think we saw what Jack Vaughn wanted to see and I I haven't heard the, the post game press conference from him but I'm sure he's going to point to it and that cuz they're going to ask him about Cam Thomas sitting in the fourth quarter and I'm 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 sure he's going to point that he's he's going to rock with a you know the lineup that's working um and Cam Thomas does work we know that he's a scorer but I think when he's looking for that team ball um guys that can def- defend almost at every position he's going to he's going to put Cam Thomas uh, playing with those second guys, and it doesn't mean Cam Thomas is not going to finish games. Obviously, we saw him tonight not finish a game, um, mm-hmm. but I think Cam Thomas is going to start playing with those second unit guys, um, where where he could play more freely. And I think he's going to he's going to like pro- he's going to prosper from being there, and he's going to get his twenty five points a game. He's going to be that Tyler Hero twenty six to thirty points uh, that the Nets need, and that and and that the bench needs. For, you know, especially if Lonnie Walker is going to be out for another week. You know. Sure. I just, you know, I don't want this team getting comfortable with Cam Thomas not closing games. And yeah, I, I agree. understand that he could get 25 at the same time, like playing that role. And I think today they had like, you know, to start the second quarter, it was Dinwiddie in that role instead of him. And I was like confused as to why, you know, they were like, it was Dinwiddie and Dennis Smith Jr. on the floor together. So it was a bit, I think Jacques Vaughn was testing a lot of lineups out tonight, like <clears throat> understanding the matchup. And, you know, speaking of the matchup, uh, the Nets play the Pistons again on, you know, just quickly uh, for just for this last game. I mean, for the game we played tonight, it was a good win. Uh, Cam Johnson played great. And, you know, I'm really happy that I think there was a lot more eyeballs on the game uh, than were expected given the Pistons losing streak. So I'm happy we weren't the team to break it. It would have been very Nets to, you know, for us to lose to the Pistons. Yeah. The game way was way too close for comfort. I mean, 
I think they were down by three with 40 seconds left or something like that. So, you know, I tip my caps to the Pistons. They're, they're trying, like they're, they're, they're really trying. And, you know, I, I would assume that most people were rooting for them uh, tonight. So, uh, so just moving along, we did play them uh, on Saturday and we can go over this quick because we just did talk a lot about the Pistons, but uh, from a quick box score perspective, Mikhail Bridges got his mojo back on Saturday night. He had 29 points. He shot over 50% from the field. And he had uh, six rebounds and seven assists. Uh, Cam Thomas had 20 and Cam Johnson had 18. And, you know, it seems like Cam Johnson's putting together a stretch of games where he's been, you know, shooting over 50%. But Bridges was the star of this game. And we weren't really too worried at any point of this game of losing. So uh, this was an easier one. And this one was at home. And it was coming off a five game streak. I mean, I would have been absolutely surprised if we lost this game so do you have any quick thoughts before we get to the Nuggets game on the game on Saturday yeah I mean it was one of those games that never um seemed like we were gonna lose we've played a couple of those um this year and you know we were up 11 we were up 11 at the end of the first quarter uh I think we were up 10 or or somewhere around there at the end at the half it was we'd never we're going to lose that game. Um, it did the, if the Pistons, I mean, the Pistons played with great energy tonight. The, it felt kind of flat the way they played, uh, Saturday. Um, but yeah, it was a great, it, it was a good game. You saw, you saw Mikel Bridges kind of get back to in, into it. Um, he didn't shoot well from three. Um, I picked him to, you know, hit two threes on Saturday. So of course he only hits one, but you know, he shot 50% over uh, from the field. He went 10 from 10 from the free throw line on Saturday. So all that stuff, he did the little things. He had seven to six. So like you, you saw a great game from, or, or, or a step up game from bridges. And then, you know, Cam Thomas shot well from the field as well. Um, yeah, it was just, it, it's just one of those games where going into it, Nets were nine and a half point favorites, and um, and and they seemed and they, they seemed that way from the from the from the jump. Um, this this was like a must win. I mean, I know we're yeah. a couple of days past it, but we were on a five game losing streak at the time. If we lost this one, things would have been sp- starting to spiral. It was it was starting to spiral, and 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 it was good to um yeah, it was good there. And and look, I'll, I'll say the most important thing to take away from Saturday is uh you know we Joe Harris got a standing ovation. <laughs> uh, he's back at the Barclays Center for the first time, and I, I know you know how much I love Joey Buckets. Um, I know he isn't one of the. I know, I know he's no longer a fan favorite uh, after the Buck series, and obviously his ankle injury that kind of short short ended his uh, Nets career here. But I think he's going to be he's going to go down as one of the you know all time great Nets role players, especially in the Brooklyn era. Um, and you know, all time three point leading scorer, and I, you know, I, I feel like I feel like he deserved more. And I think of a, a couple of those <laughs> deserved uh, more. He, we gave him everything. We gave him three of the best players of all time. And no, why? no, no. I, well, when I say when I say deserved more, I think that after what he did in his first five years with the Nets, he deserved a better way to go out. And I think I, you'll probably laugh at what I'm about to say, but I think if some of those Bucks th- three pointers against the Bucks. And twenty one go down, and we end up winning the championship. I think I think you see Joe Harris's name in the rafters um, for what he's meant to the Brooklyn Nets in the last six maybe, years. Maybe, but I also I always say this, and you know I, I don't hate Joe Harris at all. I'm a Nets fan. I, it's hard to hate like someone that has had a lot of memories, whether they're good or bad, with the team, and he's just an important part of Nets history. But 
you know, he changed the NBA history because he missed a couple three-pointers. Who knows what would have happened? And I think a lot of us uh, Nets fans and NBA fans agree that if he made those threes in the Buck series, the Nets would have won the championship that year. And then who knows what happens after that, how long that team stays together. You know, if all of them re-sign in Brooklyn, which I would assume they would have, and Joe Harris would have been there. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy that his yeah, he was in un- that position uh it's just it's wild it, yeah it's it's unfortunate for joe harris you know the way that series went but there's a lot of other things that happened in that series that aren't as you know easy to see because people like to watch the box box score more than you know the game or they don't catch the game and they're like oh joe harris went 0 for 5 from 3 like he sucks right um obviously i mean i think I have nightmares still about that missed three in the overtime. But, you know, people forget Bruce Brown in, in game three kind of just went crazy and drove to the basket and missed a wide open shot when he could have given it to, you know, Kyrie. Uh, I think Kyrie was out at that point already, but he, KD and, and we could have gone 3-0 up, up 3-0 in that series. But, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Harris, I think, minus that series, deserved his flowers. And I was, I was happy to see the standing ovation he got uh, on Saturday. I will say it's sad that like Kevin Knox plays over Joe Harris at this point. I mean, if Monty's trying to win some games, maybe put a guy in who can hit some three pointers every once in a while. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe could come into a game and maybe every fourth game could hit like five threes, and that could that could swing a game. So, uh, yeah, you know, Kevin not, like Kevin Knox is not doing that, but um, you know, who, who they, also, they, they also don't generate enough threes. I, I, tonight, tonight they shot. 25 threes well well, i think we're not going to get too many more views uh on this podcast if we continue to talk about the pistons Pistons. well (laughs) we might get we'll get we'll probably get less less views or or listeners than uh than losses they just had in a row right (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so let's get into the game the night before um uh we the the nets played the denver nuggets in brooklyn and before I mention anything about the game, there was a hilarious TikTok video or just viral video of Jokic warming up. And the dude is just, he's missing wide open layups. He's shooting lefty three-pointers. And like the video, uh, the caption is like, Jokic just does not care about basketball. And then you watch him do this in pregame, like not warming up whatsoever. And then he drops, uh, just looking at it, 31-11-7 in a win on the road. So, uh, you know, respect to Jokic you you are the best player in the league right now hands down in my opinion but like I just said the Nuggets beat us 122 to 117 I think the Nets actually you know at this time we were on a four game losing streak and you know vibes are low obviously heading into this game I don't think anyone expected us to win this game but classic Nets just playing up to their competition they also played down to their competition as we saw tonight but they were in the game the whole time against Denver and a lot of players actually played very, very well, uh, including Cam Johnson. He had 17 points and, you know, just shot well from the field. And Dorian Finney-Smith had a great game uh, off the bench. But the Nuggets just in the last minute or two showed their maturity and showed their experience. And Jamal Murray kind of took over in the last couple of minutes, hitting some big threes. And uh, the Nets were just out of it within a minute left of the game. But Matt, any, any takeaways from losing to the champs at home uh, for the fifth straight? Yeah, I mean, it was good to see them 
uh, play play Denver a little bit tighter than they did, obviously, in Denver after that back-to-back against Phoenix. So it was good to see then. Um, yeah, we I mean, we just couldn't stop, you know, another lead guard uh, the way they attacked us. I'm not even I, I don't even have to get into Jokic. Obviously, he put his numbers up. But like you got to be able to you got to be able to stop Murray. And he kind of had those kind of big buckets there at the end. And it's just kind of been a story for the Nets this year where we can't, we can't stop the lead attack uh, guard um, down the stretch. So it's just it hurts us. Like Cam Thomas didn't have the greatest shooting game, but we were we were able to stay in there. Um, you know, uh, DFS had a great game too. I mean, I think he shot like eighty percent from three. Uh, right, he had four three pointers, I believe. Yeah, four. He went four for five. So I mean, we we shot the three well. We almost shot forty percent. Um, we scored sixty on them in the first half. So it was a great energy, uh, especially after coming off those you know four losses in a row. Um, but we were able to stick with them and, and it's a good sign. And then obviously you saw on Saturday, they had a little bit more energy than Detroit coming out of uh, the gate. And we were able to end the, f- the five game win streak. But I think this is kind of, hopefully um, I, I liked, I liked what I saw after against Denver, even though we lost, I liked what I saw and we were able to, um, to, to keep it close with those guys. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely an encouraging game. Like as a Nets fan, just to remember that this team can play well, uh, and we can compete with some of the better teams in the league. I think this was the game that Dennis Smith Jr. came back, right? Just to like, yeah. And so, yeah. and I want to, I want to mention the way he played. I mean, he played for 19 minutes, and his minutes were just like, you know, they were so impactful that you noticed and you were watching him when he was in the game. I mean, he's all over the floor on defense. He rebounds the ball as such a small guy. He played 19 minutes. He had four rebounds. He had five assists, and he had seven points. He just fills up the stat sheet. And it it was just nice to see a ball handler that wasn't Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie. He could push the ball. He, you know, he just he brings some spunk to this team that's definitely needed. And uh, this game, you know, Dinwiddie played 33 minutes, but he only took four shots. And I think a big point of that was just Dennis Smith Jr. being around. And uh, Dinwiddie should obviously be taking, you know, more than four shots per night. But it's just nice to have an alternative. And Dennis Smith throughout these last three games has played well every single game in my opinion and I know a lot of Nets fans and I'm one of these people that do think that with you know just I know we don't like to talk about Ben Simmons on this podcast so let's take him out of the picture if we're in the playoffs and it's between Dinwiddie or Dennis Smith Jr. starting I think Dennis Smith Jr. pairs so much better with Cam Thomas and I think Cam Thomas needs to start so I think down the road we should look into Dennis Smith Jr. potentially starting off these games uh you know, it's been a narrative that our our starting five hasn't, you know, played well in the first quarter. So do you have any thoughts on, on you know, Nets fans wanting Dennis Smith in the starting lineup over Dinwiddie? Yeah, I think I think I mentioned it before. I think they well, I'm hoping they don't just so, you know, Twitter doesn't burn down and I pull all my hair out. I hope that they go with uh, Dennis Smith into the starting lineup. But I think they're going to look to put Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, and that kind of just leaves, unless they make two changes, and Cam Johnson and um, Dinwiddie go. I, I just don't know if I, I – I like the energy that he provides off the bench more, but I, I haven't seen him start, so it's tough for me to say. But I, I still think I like the energy off the bench because he provides what you need uh, when you're down a little bit or to keep the energy up when you, when you, have, a big, when you have a big lead. Um, but but I wouldn't I wouldn't fight it. I, I think Dinwiddie's had kind of a, a bad stretch here of a five or so straight games. 
Um, so it's tough to see because he was kind of a catalyst of what we were doing on that big win streak that we had when we won like six out of seven or seven out of eight, whatever that was. So I, I don't mind it, but I, I just I, I think that for me, I would keep him on the bench just because he provides that energy off the bench. No, I definitely understand that point. And again, uh, you could always just make the quick fix in the first quarter, right? Um, but it's a positive sign to see that he's back. We definitely needed him back. And then next step, like, you know, uh, I believe our next step is to get Lonnie Walker back, hopefully soon. And then the team could be at full strength again besides Ben Simmons. And that would just be such a good feeling. I mean, we, we need these guys. And I know we have a tougher schedule, you know, coming up down the road. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we are 15 and 15 through 30 games. Um, I wish we were above 500 with where you're positioned, you know, before the road trip. But it is what it is. And uh, we have Milwaukee tomorrow night. But I guess my question for you through 30 games, like, how how are you feeling? Yeah. So just to go back to your lot. Uh, so Lonnie Walker's supposed to come back today. He got he actually got sick with a virus. So he'll be out for the next week. So we won't see him until next um we won't see him until next year because tomorrow's a, uh, tomorrow they're on the road. Friday they're on the being next year. Just to clarify for the fans, you know, like he's not out for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, meaning 2024, because tomorrow we're at home and he's already listed as out. And then Friday we travel to Washington, and then Sunday on New Year's Eve we'll be in Oklahoma City. So yeah, I mean, now to go to your question, you know, 15 and 15, you know. Uh, you know, we are who I thought we were, you know, we're a 500 team. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll be able to go on some win streaks and we'll, we'll go on some losing streaks here. And, and the main, the most important thing, and I always, I always talk about that 2018, 19 team, cause they kind of were around 500 all year. Uh, they would go on these big losing streaks and then they would come back and claw their way back to, to a 500 record. And then I think of in March they had, they went like nine and one. Um, in 10 games and they kind of just, you know, extended where they were and, and were able to clinch the sixth seed that year. Um, and I think that's where this team is going to go. Now, is it going to go in reverse where we, we go one and nine in 10 games? I don't know, but it seems like I continue to look at our schedule and it just keeps getting harder and harder. So at some point we're going to have a little bit of a break here, I would hope. Um, and, and, and this can't be the only break with Detroit two games in a row. So we'll see how it is. Um, but I, I think we are where where I thought we were. I think that we're ahead of where I thought we were would be if you told me that Ben Simmons would miss the number of games as he as he's had, uh, if Nick Claxton has missed the games that he's had. Um, so I'm 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 happy with where we are. You know, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say I'm 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 happy with where we are as well. But I do think that. It's not getting that. It's it's not going to get that much better. And if anything, I expect it to get worse. And when I say worse, I I just I wouldn't be surprised if the team ended up below five hundred. Um, I'm hoping that this team can take advantage of the long, grueling NBA season. And like you said, like there's just games on nights tonight that we can win. You know, we have Washington on Friday night. Hopefully we can win that game. And then you never know like what team you're playing that's coming off a of back-to-back that you can steal one. And Bridges plays every single night. We have younger guys on this team that are just hungry to make a name for themselves, like, you know, De'Aaron Sharp and Dennis Smith Jr. and a lot of these guys. So I'm, I'm content. I'm content. I, I wish 
I wish Bridges looked a little better. Like I'm not gonna lie, just like I'm not, and it, you know, it's I'm not even saying that his stats have been so poor. Like I, it's the eye test that I'm talking about. Like I wish the game he played against the Cavs, like we saw that more. You know, like where his his jumper looks smooth, he looks confident. Like I love Cam Thomas, but as a as you know, we need Bridges to be this guy if we want to actually make a run. And his, I, I just don't know if he's going to actually be able to be that guy, but it's a long season and, you know, you just got to be patient. So I'll, I'll his, stop there. His, and ball, comment. his ball handling has been awful. It has. Uh, I it just, has. it's, it's just tough to see. It, it reminds me of, it reminds me of Kevin Durant in the Boston Celtics series where we got swept where he, he couldn't, he couldn't take two dribbles without it getting turned over. Right. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't re- really remember him turning the ball over that much last year. I can't imagine that he did with the way that people were uh, speaking about him. So, you know, he, he's got he's to tighten it up. And I don't know if it's like uh, if he's just tired, but like he just doesn't look the same when he has oh. the ball in his hands. And I think you're going to start seeing him just coming off screens and kind of like Steph Curry-esque and just I was hit, gonna, hit open threes. I was thinking the same thing. And like, I don't want to place the blame on Jock Vaughn, but you got to put your player in a position where he could succeed, you know, in what he's actually like where his strengths are and bridges is probably getting a little too much ISO like he is. And I'm, I'm relatively sick of watching it in a sense. And especially when he crosses over into, uh, you know, and starts driving into a lane where there's hands every single everywhere. And the ball just ends up being kicked by someone and it's a turnover. Uh, we saw that a couple of times tonight or, you know, and bridges ends up on the floor somehow. So, uh, I love to see him come off screens and come off pin downs where he doesn't even need to dribble and he can catch and shoot or it's a one dribble, get to the lane, try to get fouled, but quicker, you know, quicker actions for him could potentially get him going and shooting a better person. It, it, it almost seems like sometimes when he's coming around, like if, if Claxton's setting a, 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 you know, a screen for him to come around, it, it, it's almost like when he comes around the screen that he's protecting his body more than he's protecting his the ball um to like not get injured uh, right. if, if someone runs into him like trying to get over a screen or something i don't know what it is it's just it's weird because he shouldn't be mishandling the ball this much but yeah. he is and, it, and it, it, it's it's a weird thing to see um because he was i have to look i have to look at his numbers last year but i, I think that he was like re- he really protected the ball well last year mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean that is that is a concern for like where we are this year. But record wise, I, I like where we're at. Um, I think we're like eighth or seventh or eighth now in the standing. So I mean, we'll probably be a play-in team unless somebody falls off. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I like where we are, especially in this kind of like purgatory year where we were. Where are we good? Are we not good? Like what direction are we going? What direction are we not going? Kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's it's. And, and we don't have our own pick, right? We don't want to give Houston a, a lottery pick. So, as long as we can keep on keeping on, we'll be we'll I'll be happy with with this year. It's a long season, and uh, we're not even halfway through yet. I just want to say, like the last point before we go on to uh, our Q and A with the fans. But uh, my dad, who's like a Knicks and a Nets fan, he's just a New York basketball fan. He recently learned about like Mikhail Bridges' streak, and he thinks it's like so. You know, he he thinks it's wild, like the rest of us, right? But whenever Mikael Bridges has a bad game now, he goes, maybe he needs a rest. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, a lot of Nets fans are probably going to like, I'm sure he's going to start hearing that, that it's just too much. But 
I'm sure he doesn't want to just sit out a game. Like, I don't think he ever will do that. I do think the, f- the first time he misses will be uh, like an injury if that happens. Yeah, I think like uh, last year when he got traded, he he missed that first game with with uh, the Nets. Um, but they had marked him in as like inactive or not with a team or whatever the case was because the trade hadn't been official yet. Uh, but he really wanted to play that bad. But but I think if you look back, I think the last game of the season against Philly last year, he he played the opening tip and then was subbed right off uh, to keep the streak alive. And I, I, at some point, you're going to have to do that again for him because he needs he needs a break. And I don't know if he can make it to the All-Star break because we're, we're still a month and a half away from that. Who knows? I mean, the man's crazy. I, I truly yeah. think so to play this many games over the like, and I love it. Like, I I, I go and play with my roommate it. on Sunday, and I'm like, I don't know if I could play next week. Like seven days later, I, I I know it's a little different, but I think anyone who plays basketball like still past 25 years old like understands what I'm saying. But he, well, he was he did have a I think it was GQ that he interviewed with. Yeah, <laughs> and he they, a they, did, they did like a, some of those pictures. <laughs> yeah, they did like they did like a lifestyle uh, interview with him. And he said a lot last year that he was going to get chopped cheeses at, uh, at, at you know, at the corner store, he called it, but the bodegas, uh, and, and that he's cut that out of his diet this year. So maybe, maybe, maybe that'll help him stay on the court even more than he did last year. Right, right. So uh, I, I, I do love those chopped cheeses, by the way. I get them I mean, all the time. Yeah, who doesn't? Okay, who on, doesn't? Come on. But uh, all right, man, uh, it's getting late here. So we'll be right back with our first ever uh, Q&A with the fans. All right, we're back, uh, Matt. We're just going to read some of these emails that the fans sent us uh, throughout the week. This is our first ever one. So thank you to everyone who emailed in. Uh, there wasn't that many. So we're just going to read everyone's we've got. So I'm going to start with the first one. So uh, Adam from Syosset asked us, how far do you think the Nets can go this year? Do you think they can make it to the conference finals? Uh, Matt, I'll let you start. Uh, yeah, unless uh, three teams' planes go down and maybe we'll get a shot at the conference finals. Um, but no, uh, we'll, we'll be a playing game, hopefully uh, maybe a six seed, but I, I don't see more than one or two playoff wins this year for us. Uh, unless, unless Marks can swing a big trade uh at the deadline which i don't think that's the direction that they want to go to with all the tax implications on taking more salary so i mean i'll be happy if we get the sixth seed uh but i think we're a playing a playing team and and maybe a first round exit with uh, one or two wins under our belt what about yeah. you Jordan? um my answer just flat out is no uh i think we should be happy if we make the plan and you know i know we saw the miami heat last year but i don't think we're going to see anything like that again this year uh this nets team is not a conference finals team uh, in any shape or form i could name just off the top of my head right now like five teams that i'm confidently sure are probably better playoff teams than the nets that being said anything could happen and i might be like completely wrong and maybe we should all put futures on it and get rich together like that's my dream but uh, i don't <laughs> think you know the, the farthest i think we can go uh is win a first round series and i still think that's not likely uh, so that's my thoughts on that. And let's move on to the next, next question. Steven from Nyack, New York, uh, emailed in. That's in uh, Rockland County. Uh, can Cam Thomas be a top-tier superstar in the NBA? Matt, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I've said it on past episodes. I think the, the toughest thing to do in the NBA is like score. Quickly, quickly, like let's define like top tier superstar. Are we talking like 1A or are we just talking like all-star game here? Yeah, I mean, he's, I, I, I well, I think we should talk 1A, <laughs> right? Because I don't, I don't think, think that. you think he could be 1A? I think he could be a one A. I think I think at some point he can. He has a lot. He has a lot to to work on. I think that when when he's in the game, right, he's looking to score first. And even though he's moving the ball around and distributing a little bit more than he did in the previous years, like his assist percentages is very low. His potential assists per game are very low. Um, and that might not be the role that he's he's comfortable with in right now. Um, and and maybe he's just not put in that position to kind of handle the ball up the court as much as like a Dinwiddie or Dennis Smith Jr. is. So I think he has to elevate that part of it and and his defense has to get a little bit better, but I don't think that's going to take away from his, you know, his superstardom. Um, But he, I mean, he's young, he's 22 years old. He shoots the ball pretty efficiently. Now the next step will be, you know, when there's game plans for you, when they, when they put box, box and one you when they double team you can you get out of those positions and can you put your teammates in the correct spots uh to win the ball at the end of the day we still have to answer the question you know he's scoring 40 and the nets are losing and and why and i'm not blaming it on cam but there's reasons why those things are not happening whether it's the the offense around him being stagnant or not but i i do think that he can be he can elevate to that to that level because uh, again, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is score, and and he does that at an extremely uh, high level. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to a top tier superstar in the NBA, I, I don't think he could become that. I think there's like one too many flaws in his game right now that are just like so like the defense for me is a huge issue, and I think he could turn into. You know, I think he could be better than Trey Young, but like a Trey Young S type of player where he's just an ultimate offensive advantage, but on the defensive side, he's a liability. And, you know, it doesn't seem like he wants to change the way he plays dependent on his teammates. So Cam Thomas, like you said, like like you just you kind of made this point, but he's not really adapting to who he plays with. He plays the same style every single night, and it might not be the best style to win the game. And so at the end of the day, like, I don't want to go on and on about this, but I think he could be an all-star in this league, clearly. Uh, I've been extremely happy with the jump he's made this year, but I don't think um, he could be a top-tier superstar when you talk about, like, let's say the top seven guys in the league, even 10. I don't think he'll ever get there, uh, personally. Uh, So let's move on to, I don't know how many questions. I think this is question number three. three, Michael from Beacon asks, who has been the Nets MVP so far this year? Uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, wow. Uh, MVP this year. I mean... Is it Ben Simmons? Yeah. It might be like Ian Eagle or something because I, <laughs> there's really no one that jumps off the board. I mean, I'll, I'll let you go first unless you want me to just like... No, yeah. How about you answer that? And let me think here a little bit. No, I mean, like for me, it's clearly Cam Thomas. Uh, I I really like to think about sometimes. You know, you you just you just asked, and like it's funny, we were just talking about this, but you just asked the question like we're losing and Cam Thomas scored forty. I like to think about like what what would the result be of that game if he didn't if he wasn't there at all? Like, would we have lost by forty? Um, so. I really think the way he's played this year, like he's clearly been the MVP. 
and he saved us on so many games. Like even the games we lose, like I, I know losses are losses, but he's really just given installed like a confidence in this team that we have someone at the end of the day that just like has an unordinary skill that we could take advantage of and throw. So we have someone we could throw the ball to to get a bucket, which let's be like real, like no one on this team, may, you know, Dinwiddie likes to think he's that guy, but Bridges hasn't been that guy. And I, I listen, Cam Thomas has like a lot of issues and he's had games this year that have not been so great, but in my opinion, he's been the Nets MVP. Yeah. So it's, it's actually tough for me to like answer this question if I really think about it. Uh, just because I feel like this team is a bunch of guys that are just playing for each other all, all, all season long so far. And if you look at the first, uh, whatever, 10 games or so, whatever it was that before Cam Thomas got injured, it was clearly Cam Thomas. Um, he was, you know, on a scoring, on a scoring tear and keeping us in a bunch of games. And then you had this huge stretch where, uh, Mikel Bridges was averaging about 26 points a game and he kind of kept us afloat. And like, and then you look at the bench. Like, if you want to talk about MVPs, it's the bench, really, right? You had Lonnie Walker, Royce O'Neal, Dayron Sharp, Dennis Smith Jr. So, if I had to pick, I mean, the bench is really the MVP of the season so far because a lot of these wins uh, come come from from them and those and their minutes that uh, they put in put in. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you, and I think Lonnie Walker um, could have been the Nets MVP, like in a weird way, if he was able to stay healthy. But let's let's keep moving forward. Um, the next one being uh, from Martin from Buffalo. So uh, with Dayron Sharp's progress this year, does Claxton become expendable in a trade? Uh, Matt, I'll let you start with this one. Does Claxton become expendable in a trade with yeah. Dayron Sharp's progress this year? So yeah, I, I'm- I, I guess I guess uh, Martin's assuming that you know Dayron Sharp like has been fantastic this year and no like i'd say we both tend to agree he's been a lot better than expected yeah i mean you i i like i like dayron sharp's offensive uh ceiling a lot more than claxton's uh claxton's just great defensively does he become expendable yeah if he wants to make 25 million dollars a year yeah he easily right. becomes expendable right. and i get rid of him at his 10 million dollar contract and kind of move on from him this year and try to get as many assets for him as possible um but i like dayron sharp's progress and where he's going like he's he's a big reason why we're uh able to uh withhold a lot of these games uh with his rebounding and and his shot blocking and and he, he looks like he's in the best shape of his uh MBA, short nba career so far so I, I mean, there's there's parameters to it all, and I and I think that if if you're gonna tell me that Claxton wants 25 million, then yeah, he's expendable, and I'll and I'll ride with Dayron Sharp and Harry Giles as my uh you know my two fives, and then Noah Clowney too. We'll see what kind of um. Although I think Noah Clowney's a little bit of a of a four um, if I look at him, but I think those three big guys you can kind of move forward with and say we have something here if Claxton wants to demand the 25 million, which I think is just kind of crazy if you look at his numbers this year. Yeah, I mean, the Nets are just going to have to do their due diligence on whether or not he could get something like that. And I really don't know, to be honest, like how the rest of the league feels on him. It wouldn't be the first time a team made a like, I don't think he's worth 25 million. And, you know, hope like maybe he'll prove us wrong, but he doesn't really, you know, his play, I think, relies on other players, especially offensively. But for me, I mean, let's say he like wants 20 to 25. I think. 
the Nets sh- will like make a decision to get rid of him before the trade deadline, even if it's you know fifty cents on the dollar, like with the on like with it, under the assumption that the red like that someone or there'll there'll be multiple players out there that will be bidding for him for twenty to twenty five million because they need to get rid of him if they know he's not part of the future. And I w- would really not be a fan of them not re-signing him, letting him walk for nothing just so we can win an extra couple games this year. Uh, we got to look big picture here, and I don't think Claxton is this important part of our future for you know wherever we are heading whether it's tanking or for a championship so uh i would say he becomes pretty expendable to me uh yeah yeah i mean defensively like it's tough to ever get like it's tough because he defensively he is great he could he could guard one through five you know you see him come out and that's something that dayron can't do i think right now is like defend the perimeter if he gets switched up onto to a guard or or a, a wing but by this time, I think he's in year five now, Claxton. Like, it, it's time to make that, like, jump. Um, he, like, he hasn't created that, like, oh, if if he's in the mid-range, can can he pull up and get this bucket, like, at Adebayo can or a Vucevic or, no, or you know, obviously Embiid and those, t- and those type of guys. Um, but so I haven't seen that offensive jump from him. Like, yeah, he can run down the court and, and, and dunk it, right? And obviously, we saw him hit the the, the corner three against Phoenix, but I, I I still need to see a little bit more from him to give him that much. If he wants to take a contract in the you know the fifteen to eighteen dollar a million dollar range, then yeah, go for it. I'll keep him because sure. he provides a lot on, still, on defense. You could still and trade he can that. rebound the ball really well, but yeah, and you could trade that contract like the one exactly. you just mentioned, the one that's a little higher is harder to trade and. You know, I'm not saying Cam Johnson hasn't lived up to his contract yet, but we don't need another situation like that, to be honest. Uh, but let's keep moving along. Um, we actually had uh, an email from San Diego. So Jack from San Diego, I guess, you know, he lives in the West Coast. So this makes sense that he's asking this. But he said, with Kevin Durant reportedly frustrated with the Suns roster, how important is it for the Nets to keep those picks out of trades? And if they do, use one of one of which picks do you value the most? So uh, I guess he's asking just in general, with the craziness going on in Phoenix, um, how important is it for the Nets to hold on to all the picks that we got? And I'll just quickly say off the bat, it's it's everything. I mean, this is our future. You know, like I think I saw some tweets, but this is our Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, I think as Nets fans, we know from some of the decisions that have been made, short-term success like it's just a dopamine thing like we need long-term success so if we need to be patient when it comes to how we build next time around it's uh, we should all be fine with it and i think uh we'll have a relatively good product on the floor with Josai as our owner until then but we do not include these trades these picks and trades unless you're getting a top three player a top five player in the league uh but you know, if like if we're getting someone like Donovan Mitchell, I do everything to not do that because it's just like it doesn't move the needle enough. Uh, so, Matt, I'll let you go from there. Yeah, I think I think you don't move any of these picks if 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 possible, right? But if 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 the Suns want to give us Devin Booker, I'll give them all the picks back. Um, but. You look at it and like the 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 Sixers pick in in 2027. That's a top eight protected. Like I get rid of that one before the Mavericks pick in 2029. 
uh, and and you would think that they would keep Luca there for for his entire career. So that pick you would give up before these Suns picks. So yeah, I, I don't think you give up any of these unless, like you said, you're getting one of these big top guys. If like an Embiid asks out or a Tatum asks out, or uh, you know, I'm not giving him up for Donovan Mitchell. I'm not giving him up for these low, like you know, these second tier All Star superstar level type of guys. Um, but if, if 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 a top five, top eight player comes calling, yeah, I'm you know I'll, I'll offload some of them, not all of them, because I think the later that we get and um, in, into into these years, the better the the picks will be. And I, and I saw a lot of chatter today on Twitter about um, about the Suns trading Kevin Durant. They're they're not going to trade Kevin Durant. <laughs> they're just not yeah, going like, to. I, I was going to quickly say like I don't want to act like you know when I said they're Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like the Suns have already imploded, they haven't. They they really haven't. And uh, yeah, they, they will like the same way we got people back for Kyrie and KD. I know KD is probably not worth as much as he was when we traded uh, him, but Devin Booker is definitely worth a lot more than Kyrie Irving was worth. So they'll they'll like probably get enough in return to maybe not be one of those worst teams in the league. But you never know. You never know. Well, and that's uh, what I, I mean, that's what I said today. Like. I would be if I'm a, if I'm a Nets fan, I'm more worried if they blow it up and get rid of Booker than if they just kind of ride it out. Like if you're a Nets fan, let you want them to ride it out, right, as long as possible, because then everything um, hits the fan at once. Um, and decisions. Yeah, I mean, Beal, like the Beal contract is just step number well, they, one. For they'll they'll coming. never be able to get rid of Beal, right? Like so, in the scenario that never. we are picking our Jason Tatum, like they'll still have Beal on their team because <laughs> they want them to they'll keep never Booker be able to treat it, you know. Yeah, you you want them to keep Booker and you want them to keep Beal. Booker by I think at the last year of Kevin Durant's contract is going to be making 60 million dollars. And yeah. and I believe if I'm not mistaken, I believe that Bradley Beal will be making the exact same amount. Yeah, he'll be making like 57 million that year. Right. So th- that that's two guys that you have on your books making over 110 million. Like it's going to be very hard to build a team. And and if Beal's back is you know as bad as it looks like it's gonna be, you you're building a team around Booker and just kind of scrubs at that point. You have no draft picks to build around. So I think to answer the question, I think you keep these picks as long as possible and you make them more valuable as the years go on. If you need to go out and grab uh, one of these top five guys, um, yeah, I think we're, I think me and you are on the same page uh, with that, and uh, it is it's just like just. You know, just quickly, uh, it's really nice to see this happening in Phoenix. Like, I don't root, I don't root on Kevin Durant's downfall, but I, I'm just like after everything we've been through, to think it's always so much brighter on the other side. I mean, it's not. And you know, like I was watching ESPN yesterday, and they're like Kyrie Irving, who's now missed his 11th straight game, and Kevin Durant's like, you know, there's reports that he's unhappy. It's all. Uh, I feel like there's a brighter future for us Nets fans than like dealing with like. That superstar nonsense. The league is completely trending in a different direction than dealing with that. I mean, we all watched the Knicks game on. Like, I'm not trying to hype up the Knicks, but like we saw the way they played against the Bucks. Uh, you don't need this like these egotistical superstars anymore that control everything. You just don't. But uh, let's get into the last question, and this is uh from Ben from Brooklyn. Uh, which young or less known players on the Nets roster do you believe have the potential to become significant tr- contributors uh, in the future? So, Matt, uh, I'll let you start. Yeah, well, I guess 
J- Jalen Wilson, he's getting minutes already for the Nets. I think, I think the way that he sees the floor is at an NBA level. Um, his energy uh, is there. It, you know, it remind his energy when he's on the floor kind of reminds me how Bruce Brown was, just kind of fighting for everything, cutting into the lanes. Uh, so I like, and he could hit the three. So he he, he and he was a, a steal for for marks in the second round. Um, and it's interesting because Jack Vaughn really doesn't like to play these young guys in their first year, as you could see, like, you know, Whitehead and Clowney are in the, are in the G league playing. Um, so I think Wilson, uh, right now, um, has the most potential, but if, if we're talking about this year, but I think I Whitehead's, um, skill set I think will translate really well. I think you, you, I, I see a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford, uh, Cam Thomas and him. Um, but he's, he's been injured. So it's, the question is, can he stay, uh, healthy and then, and then can he, can he win those minutes, um, for the Nets? But I don't think he's going to be any significant this year. Yeah. I think like the obvious basic pick is Dayron Sharp, but we've talked about him so much. Uh, so I'm not going to take him. And I do, I do love Jalen Wilson. Like I really wish, you know, I wish we can somehow get, you know, uh, pull off a great trade, you know, getting rid of Royce O'Neal on an expiring contract, get some picks back in return, and then Jalen Wilson can kind of take over his role. And I think he would succeed. I mean, I love seeing some of the the older rookies like Trace Jackson Davis and Jaime Hawkes Jr. Uh, Jalen Wilson's like one of those guys that I think the older rookies are just uh, more equipped sometimes to be ready to play right now. So I think he is ready to play in the NBA right now. And like you said, JV is just... Uh, a bit hesitant to play rookies, but I think Noah Clowney, I'm, I'm excited for. It might be a bit of a long-term answer for me, but I do think he could, in the in the world we get rid of Claxton, um, be the backup center next year. And the way the world is trending, like these kids that are 18, 19, like Clowney's age, they shoot threes. And Clowney shot threes at Alabama. And I love to see the Nets have someone where, you know, they could bring in a, a, a five who could spread the floor aka like what brooke lopez is doing right now and he also seems to be able to catch alley-oops and you know get above the rim so uh he i know he's a, a bit away you know with strength and uh basketball maturity but uh i think Clowney will actually be a significant contributor in the nets future even after you know it's all said and done but um that's it and uh man i, I think I think those were some good questions from our fans. Uh, I think they're listening. And, you know, like, I appreciate everyone who emailed in. I know it wasn't that many questions. And as we grow, we're not going to be able to answer all of them. But uh, to start, we'd be happy to answer, you know, whoever wants to, who wants to banter uh, with Brooklyn banter. Uh, but uh, any, any comments on our first Q&A, Matt? No, I think it was great. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's always good to hear from from the fans and able to get our opinion out there. Um, and yeah, hopefully we keep this going and they, uh, they continue to ask us questions. Do you, do you know when we will be recording next? Like, are you free this week? Should we do after maybe the wizards game on Friday night? Uh, yeah, that's a lot to ask cause you might, uh, have a busy life. Uh, but, uh, do you have any yeah, idea? I, I should be able to, but let's, uh, yeah, we could circle back around that, but that, that should be a, or at least Saturday or maybe Saturday morning. Right. Um, but one of those, one of those, uh, days we'll get another, uh, uh, episode here sounds good and that'll be episode 10 uh, you know that's a that's a big time episode and it's been fun so far and uh hopefully we could beat the bucks tomorrow night uh and make the knicks not look as good as they just did on christmas <laughs> but uh as always thank you for everyone who's listening uh it's been 
so fun so far to be uh, talking with all of you and just be in the podcast community, especially the Nets community. Uh, follow us on Spotify and Apple. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And as always, go Nets.